Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Our God is an awesome God. Wow. I want to I share with you this morning about the Holy Spirit. You know, I can't, um, I have to say that's been the, if I had to, to say what message God's put on my heart is throughout my life, it's been the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit. I love to talk about the Holy Spirit. And like I said before, this, this, the topic is, is endless. You can never get to the end. Impossible. And um, thinking about, you know, thinking about the, the, this awesome person, Jesus, Je- just, just to say his name, Jesus, is, is awesome. Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, our Lord. And, you know, just to think about his, about his life and about his humility, how God, the Son, became a man, took upon himself a human body, was born of the Virgin Mary and submitted himself to a human family, lived an insignificant life in an insignificant village for 30 years. He seemed just like another child in a poor village in Nazareth. The son of a carpenter who probably died sometime in, in before Christ's 30, 30 years old. He was not around after that period. It's not nowhere in the scriptures. So Jesus is 30 years old, had obeyed his parents, had been raised in the ways of the Lord in the, in the synagogues of Nazareth. And if you think about it, Nazareth was an insignificant town. A few hundred people probably lived there. Probably, you know, I'm just, just by, by, by probable chance, this was the only carpenter shop in town. Probably everyone in town had chairs that they sat on and tables that they ate on every day that were made by the hands of Jesus. Their, their, all the furniture, their bed frames, whatever they had, however their furniture was in their house, they were handmade by the carpenter from Galilee. Then the day came when, when the reports began to, to go to Nazareth that, the, that God had raised up a mighty prophet. There hadn't been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. And there was news began to stir, stir through the crowd and plans were made and families and friends from Nazareth all made their way to the Jordan River to go see for themselves and to hear this man of God prophesying and proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. That was the ministry and message of John. And, and Jesus went with his family and with his friends and went and heard John the Baptist preaching and prophesying. You know, years later in the, in the ministry of Jesus, he was asked about, about John the Baptist and, and asked about, the, about who John was. And Jesus said, in no uncertain terms, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. That's what Jesus said. He didn't have any miracles that we know of, But Jesus said that John was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, and the reason he said that is because John had the greatest revelation of Christ of any of the Old Testament prophets. 
When, when Jesus appeared that day on the, on the shores of the Jordan River and, and, and John looked at him, he, he knew he was, he was called to prepare the way of the Lord. That's what his message was. I'm not the one, but there's one coming after me, he would preach. And he looked in his eyes, locked on Jesus, standing on the shore of the Jordan River, and the Spirit of the Lord said, that is the one you've been waiting for. And John lifted up his voice to the crowd that was there that day and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Shocking. They didn't know the Messiah. They couldn't have any idea the Messiah was going to be a sin offering. They had no idea that there'd be an end of the Levitical system of worship, the end of the sacrifices, the end of the temple in Jerusalem. All those things could could never be imagined. But John saw by the Spirit that Jesus was the Passover lamb. And then he went on to say... He went on to say, he says, I baptize you with water for the remission of your sins, but this one will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he was telling them about his, about his heavenly ministry, and John didn't understand the implications of it or when these things would take place or how they were taking place. He was seeing through a glass darkly and speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he said, this is the one. What he was seeing, what he was seeing is the future heavenly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, all churches today, you can go to any church all over the world, and most every one of them is going to recognize the first prophecy that John spoke, Jesus as the Passover lamb. They recognize his earthly ministry, they recognize his death on the cross, and they recognize that he died for the sins of mankind, that we can live for him, live with him forever. But that second prophecy is so significant, and especially significant for the last generation. It's significant for the last generation because this second prophecy is connected to the power of God. It's connected to to the ministry of Jesus right now today. Today, Jesus, as a man, is the heavenly minister of the sanctuary. You see, after those three years, Jesus was crucified He was nailed to the cross. He was buried in the grave. He was raised from the dead after three days. And after 40 days, he ascended into heaven and he set captivity free. All the dead men and women from the Old Testament who died in faith, their spirits were released from paradise and they went into the very, they went into heaven itself with the Lord Jesus as he led captivity captive. Talks about it in Ephesians chapter four. And Jesus for the first time, think about this scene, this, this heavenly scene when our Lord returned to heaven, but he returned differently than the way he left. Amen. He returned as a man. He returned as a human being. When he came back to heaven, he was in a body like ours. 
He was, he came walking down the streets of gold and went up before his father to take his place at the father's right hand as ruler of all things. His father anointed him with the oil of gladness. Son, take your place, rule and reign. He was given a name above every name. All authority was given to man in the name of Jesus as he took his place as the right hand of the father, as our heavenly high priest representing me before the father right now in heaven. There's a man with a body like mine taking my place before the father with nail prints in his hands, wounds in his side and in his head, interceding for me. And, and this is why he did it. Flowing out from the Father and the Son is the Revelation chapter 22 vision, the vision of the Holy Ghost, the river pouring out from him, pouring out upon whosoever will. That's why he came. He came to fulfill his ministry. Today, he's seated at the right hand of God as the heavenly high priest, as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Today, churches, churches are running as fast and as hard as they can away from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what that is, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the current ministry of Jesus. It's what he's doing now. When we run from that, we're running from the work of God. We're trying to do the work of God with human ideas, human wisdom, human teachings. And you know what we do? We end up building a great organization with a form of godliness without the Pentecostal power of God. Paul warned us about the last days that that would happen. He warned us. Now this, back at this scene at the Jordan River, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the son of Mary, the carpenter's son. Now he's going into the waters and being baptized by the prophet and and John lays his hands on him. Can you look at this humility and submission of God, the second person of the Trinity? Humility, he, he humbled himself and obeyed a simple couple and lived as their son for 30 years. And now he's submitting himself to this prophet that God raised up who's laying his hands upon him and baptizing him in the Jordan River. And when he was baptized in the Jordan River and he came up out of the waters, the Bible says the heavens were opened. And he saw and he heard. He saw the Spirit of God and John saw the Spirit of God. The two saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and landing upon him. And they heard a voice from heaven that said, this is the Son of my love, my beloved Son. He was clothed with power, with the, Holy, with the Holy Ghost. Jesus, that day, was baptized in the Holy Ghost. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And from that day, he began to move in the power of signs and wonders for the first time. He went out into the wilderness, was driven in the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. And he returned after 40 days and he came to his hometown in Nazareth where he preached that message, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. He closed the book and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was upon him. They, after all, they were still sitting on his benches in that synagogue. Every eye was upon it. And then he said the unthinkable. Today, these words are fulfilled 
in your hearing. You know what they did? They didn't stand up and rejoice and have a celebration service. They went and grabbed him, drug him outside of town, his friends and his family, and tried to throw him off a cliff and tried to kill him. Read the Bible if you think I'm making things up. Why did they do that? Because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. Nothing has changed today. The world despises the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but God loves it. It's his mark. It's the mark of his love. It's the mark of his church. It's why the church exists. And Jesus, after three, he, from that day, he, he it says he, he walked through the midst of him. It wasn't his time to die. It wasn't his time to die. You can't throw a man off a cliff who was born to be crucified. You can't hang a man that was born to be crucified. You can't stone a man that was born to be crucified. Three years later, he was ready to face the cross. And he had the famous last supper with his disciples. They gathered together. And he he served them the last supper and he ministered to them the body and the blood. And he told them, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And, and after, after they finished the, having the Passover meal and, ate the, and drank the wine and ate the bread, Judas left, departed, went to deceive him, to, 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 um, to betray him. Jesus dressed himself as a, as a servant, as a common slave. He girded himself in a slave's outfit and he began to go amongst his disciples and began to wash their feet from the filth that they got on the streets in Jerusalem. Began to wash their feet. And then he began to minister to them. As he washed their feet, he began to minister to them. One of the most famous sermons and teachings in the word of God, John 14, 15, and 16. Three full chapters he taught. And the topic of those three chapters, for the first time, he began to teach them extensively about the person of the Holy Spirit, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He was telling them, you've you've been with me these three years. You've seen the power of signs and wonders. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the water turned into wine. You saw me walk on water. You saw the the multiplication of the fish and the bread. You saw the the demoniacs where the demons were driven out. You saw the, the deaf hear and the lame walk and the blind see. You saw incredible things these last three years. But he looked at them and he said, The things that I've done, will you do also? That's what he said in John, from this position, washing their feet. The things that I've done, shall you do also? And then he said, greater things than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you as all alone. I have to go. It's time for me to depart and go prepare a place for you. But I will not leave you as orphans. After I leave, I'll send him. Alos Parakletos, he said. Another helper exactly like me. I'll send him. And he's going to come. He is going to come. He's going to come and he's going to anoint you. He's going to transform you. He's going to make you into a different kind of person. 
He's going to change you from the inside and make you a new man. He's going he's to make the things of God real to you. He's going to teach you about me. He's going to glorify me. He's going to remind you the things from the word of God. He's going to testify of me. He's going to be inside of you. And he's going to be upon you with the power of signs and wonders. After he gave them this teaching, they went to Gethsemane to pray. And you know the rest of the story. They, they arrested him. When they came to arrest him, you remember what happened when they came to arrest him in John's account? They said, we came for Jesus of Nazareth. And he looked at him and said, I am. He said, the whole regiment of soldiers found themselves on their backs on the ground. That's what it says in John. Bam. And he waited for, he just waited for him to get up. And they arrested him. They arrested him and took him into custody. You can't kill me, I came to lay my life down. You can't stone a man born to to be crucified. It's time for me to die. It's time for me to go back to my father. It's time for me to be the the Passover lamb like John prophesied. It's time for me to die on the cross. That day he was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was spit upon, he was beaten. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails with a Roman whip. They lacerated his back with that whip on the Roman whipping post. Then they horribly nailed him to a cross and hung him there till he died. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he died, and he was buried in the grounds. They secured his grave with a, with a sealed tomb. After three days, he was raised from the dead. He appeared to many. As a matter of fact, on the last, his last 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared on the Mount of Olives to his disciples. 500 people were there, eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. And he told them, He told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, teaching them all things that I've commanded commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He told them, you'll lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. You'll cast out demons in my name and you'll speak with other tongues, he told them. And after this, he he was raised up in their very sights. And they saw him taken up into heaven. You know, just before he left, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. They watched him. While they watched him go into heaven, the angels appeared and said, what are you waiting for? Go to Jerusalem. They made their way to Jerusalem. They were there for 10 days waiting on the Lord. And we read that earlier part, after 10 days, suddenly the building, the very atmosphere was filled with the sound of a rushing mighty winds. Jesus had taken his place. He had fulfilled all righteousness. The sacrifice had been accepted. He was seated at the right hand of God, the son of man and the son of God. He had passed through the heavens and he was representing me before the father as my sacrifice. And out from the father and out from the son began to flow this mighty, incredible river, this river of the Holy Ghost, this 
infinite river that's pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, begin to pour out and, and they begin to feel the effects of it as they were in that upper room. Suddenly, the prophecies of Jesus and of John the Baptist began to be fulfilled. They were there. They remember what John prophesied. There's one coming after me that's mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Just 10 days before this, Jesus said, not many days from now, you'll be clothed with power from on high. You're going to receive the promise of my Father. And as they were sitting there praying in that upper room, suddenly the very atmosphere in that room changed. It was undeniable. It's happened many times in this place. The atmosphere changes. Not everybody likes it. That's not what I signed up for. I wanted a cute little message how I could be a a better me. But suddenly the atmosphere changed and there was wind. It wasn't natural wind, it wasn't physical wind, but there was a wind. The wind of God was blowing. The wind from another world was blowing in that room. The wind from heaven. Heaven's wind. This wind is a person. This wind is the spirit of God. This wind is a wind of refreshing. This wind blows into our lungs and we come alive. This wind comes and brings recovery into our very lives when we are are depressed and discouraged and hopeless and we're tired of all the foolishness in this world. The atmosphere begins to change. We breathe in and this wind from heaven comes inside of us. And this wind is God himself. It is God himself. The wind of the spirit of God breathes into our lungs and we come alive. And like Peter was changed, we are changed into a different kind of people in a moment of time. No longer cowards, no longer ashamed of our testimony, no longer ashamed of the church we attend, no longer ashamed of the baptism in the Holy Ghost, no longer ashamed of the power of signs and wonders, because now it's not only a belief that we have, it's inside of us now. It's taken over our bodies. The wind has blown into my lungs. I've breathed the breath from another world. And it's, it's changed everything about me. It's changed me into another man. And, 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 and it, it changes who we are. We're no longer, we're no longer bound by the lusts of this world. No longer fooling around with the foolish pleasures of this world. No longer distracted by, by immorality. No longer distracted by foolish pleasures, drinking and substance abuse and, and chasing somebody else's wife. Foolishness is driven from our hearts. We're breathing the wind from another world. We've become different kinds of people. And this not only changes who we are, not only changes who we are, changes what we do. We're clothed. Yeah, we put on the Father's coats. That coat comes upon us now. The wind's blown into our lungs. The, ca- the Father's coat is on us. We've been clothed with power from on high, and we start living a different kind of life now. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Tongues of fire came upon their heads. This was reminiscent of the dedication of Solomon's temple. A thousand years before, they had dedicated Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. 
120 priests, by coincidence, that's a familiar number, 120 priests, 120 disciples were there in the upper room, 120 priests went into the temple at the time of the dedication, 120 priests, they began to blow their trumpets, they blew their trumpets and the fire began to fall. The glory fell, the fire of God fell in that temple. The glory filled the atmosphere. The ones who were inside fell down. The ones who were outside couldn't get in the building because the building was packed with the glory of his presence, impenetrable. The glory of God invaded the temple of God. That day in Jerusalem, the power of God fell on those men. Fire fell on their heads. Fire got in their bellies. They couldn't go back. This fire purified. It drove out. It cleansed them. It washed away the foolishness from their life. And that fire became a dynamo of power in their bellies. They were filled with supernatural power now. Peter stood up and he began to preach like a man from another world. Peter was empowered with the power of God. Peter began to lay his hands on people like his Lord did. And they began to walk and leap and praise God. He began to confront the priests like his Lord did. And they shrieked back in fear of the man of God. Because no man ever spake like these men. Filled with God. Oh yeah, it's time. It's time for casual Christianity to come to a crashing halt. It's time for men of God to become bold and unashamed. It's time for women of God to be holy and pure and unashamed of the power of God. It's time to change. It's time for us not to be ashamed of being full-blooded Pentecostal Christians. I am a Protestant Pentecostal, full-on, absolutely full-on. Somebody pulled the fire alarm, isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I think there's some smoke in here, but it's a different kind of smoke. I'm feeling something. I don't know about you. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Kiambase manto roste kete blaste la crote ta la masite ke satora basandle ke stala la maste naya yanta bakoto totalate ahia bate bo oh seambase clate itabrambasola brentala la braste ke rista kate lo brosto. Oh, Ramasikla Ramasteke, Yambasteke, Teriste. Oh, yeah, you've heard. You've heard of my men and my women from days gone by. You've heard of my men. You've heard of Peter and John and Paul, the apostles that turned the world upside down in their generation. And you heard of my men, my reformers in the 1600s. Oh, yeah, my Luther and my Calvin who rocked this world. You've heard of those men. Yes, and you've heard of those that have gone before you. You've heard of those. You've heard of the Wesleys and the Whitfields. You've heard of the Evan Roberts. And you've heard, Corosa of my men, Rabasa, William Seymour. 
Seymour and my men and my women. You've heard of my, my sister daughter, Amy Simple McPherson. And you heard, oh yes, of my daughter, Catherine Kuhlman. And you heard of my daughter, Mariah Woodworth Etter, and how the world's Raka was not worthy of these. Oh yeah, the generation, this generation shall see the things that the past generations have seen. Yes, they will step. There are those amongst you that will step into a fresh mantle, unafraid of the compromise that's permeated this culture, unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of my son, unashamed of my power, unashamed of my spirit and my anointing. For this, these are the days the prophets spoke about, that in the last of days I would pour out again of my spirit upon all flesh and the sons and the daughters, the sons and the daughters, the sons and the daughters should prophesy, see and hear visions and dreams from God and proclaim the word of God in this generation. For the time, oh, the times, uh, those apostolic times are upon you. Yes, tremble in fear before my presence, for the apostolic times are returning on this earth. Yebresa, preparing for the great and terrible days ahead. Oh, yes, for there will be signs in the heavens and signs on the earth. The turmoils in this society, in this world, will increase, and my glory will increase in these days, saith the Lord. Be not afraid, be not ashamed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at victoryfellowship.net for service times and locations.